0: we're going to begin uh, this morning um, in the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to begin in verse uh, 22 and begin in verse 3. And again, we're going to look a little bit about Paul's life. I think there's so much we can learn from Paul. Yes, he was a chosen instrument of God. Yes, before he was even born, God knew um, what Paul would become. What's amazing is what he allowed Paul to be before he used Paul in the in the in the purpose that he gave him the very thing that Jesus was Paul was persecuting Um, Paul was totally against and God allowed him to do that oh he had a zeal for God but it was misdirected and the zeal for God is something that comes in the flesh Uh, where people will acknowledge God uh, in the flesh, and they get so excited uh, about who God is that they go out and do things contrary to God. Um, Picketing abortion clinics and causing riots is not something that God called us to do. But there are these religious people that have a zeal for God that go out and, and they do this. Uh, and they condemn people for the zeal of God, uh, and they are totally misdirected. So God wrote his word and put it into plain English for us so that we might be able to read it and begin to hear with spiritual ears so that we wouldn't act foolishly as Paul acted foolishly in his fleshly zeal uh, for Almighty God. It says, he goes to say, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, of Sicily, but brought up in the city, educated by uh, under uh, Gamaliel. So Gamaliel was this this Pharisee. He was well known. He was most educated in the law. And Paul uh, was taught under him. The wisdom of this man, even though he was wrong in teaching Paul about the law and what was in the law, and he didn't understand the law, uh, when the church was persecuted, it was this gentleman that said, hey, wait a minute, folks, leave these men alone. Uh, if this is an act of man, it will fail. But if it's an act of God, then you might find yourself um, you know, uh, an enemy of God and acting against God's wishes. So they, the mob listened to him, and therefore the riot was... Um, Uh, subsided so a very wise man um, in in his age and time and as far as human wisdom can be but in spiritual wisdom he didn't have any of that and so what happened is you have a man who teaches in the flesh to another man who has a zeal for God to the law and the righteousness and teaches him in the flesh and they're not able to discern anything spiritually until of course on the road to damascus where jesus um wakes up uh paul and says hey wait a minute what are you doing Uh, why are you persecuting me and you know well you never well i was never taught about this because he was never taught by jesus and so that's why the scriptures are so plain that you have to be taught by god those that are taught by god come to the saving knowledge of who god is If you are not taught by God, you cannot have this relationship. It is impossible. There has to be a revelation. uh, Just as Paul, uh, it was revealed to him not by man, but it was revealed to him uh, by God when you are taught by man you get nothing but what man thinks about God and you know nothing about who God is you will develop a zeal for God and it will cause you to do foolish things it will cause you to start doing things for God apart from God in you and that is the danger that we face today in our world where religion has become so predominant in the lives of everyone in this world that they have started thinking they've got to do something for God and they have forgotten that God has got to be the one that does something for us and this is the fallacy and this is the sadness of our world today and all of our churches today is that no one is standing up and saying you must be taught by God and if you're not then you're not going to have the salvation that God talks about and Paul could no way begin his life and do anything that God wanted him to do uh, because he couldn't understand the things of God because they are spiritually appraised. Um, so he goes on to say in verse 4, and, he, and this is where Paul had a burden, and, and Paul had a guilt in his life uh, for what he had done once he became aware of the, the truth behind Jesus Christ. He says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women to prison. As also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify from them, I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there in Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who, who are you, Lord? Um, and he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And why didn't they understand that voice? Because it wasn't for them. Okay? Uh, this revelation that Paul was receiving was specifically for him. And if you don't receive that revelation yourself from God Almighty through His Son Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit this is how this works. Then you won't have the knowledge and the fear of God to gain that knowledge and the fear of God to have the wisdom to be able to live out your discipleship life that leads to the salvation uh, that God plans for us. Uh, So it's amazing that the testimony that Paul has is an amazing testimony, Um, and yet uh, we today look at the truth behind this, and we forget that it's only God that can reveal this to us and not man. Man is supposed to be just a servant, just as Christ was a servant. We talked about this in Sunday school. Uh, Jesus Christ has been made a religion in our world today and people are going to die and go to hell on the religion of Jesus Christ. Jesus was just a mere servant of God. Okay? Was He the Son of God? Absolutely. The only begotten Son. But His purpose was to be a servant. And He served God in the capacity of His ministry to live that sinless life so that He could be uh, martyred, put on a cross, become sin on on your behalf, so that we might become God's righteousness. Okay? So, he was a servant. That's why Paul always said, uh, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Understanding that we are in a a servitude uh, to God. Uh, This is all about God. And it's through that relationship that we have through Christ that we meet this morning and come in and worship. This is to worship God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was in us, so therefore... Um, when two or more are present, he's in our midst, that we might worship God. Uh, and so Paul's learning these things. Um, he was blinded for three days, uh, and then uh, he became the object of persecution. So it's amazing how it came uh Fode, wasn't it? Even though he had this powerful uh, testimony, uh, he now became the object of persecution. Uh, and they tried to kill him immediately, and they had to put him down in a basket in and, and, and the wall. And then he went to, uh, he, he said, I didn't show myself to the, I didn't go immediately to the apostles and say, oh, look at me, look what I've become. I, I, I get it now. He actually went away for about three years and, and was continued to be taught by God. Uh, it didn't tell us about those three years, um, but the truths that he brings forth after those three years can only be taught by God. Um, so it's pretty amazing. Let's look at 1 Timothy um, 1, 5 through 17. So Paul goes on to tell Timothy, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So. The whole purpose of God saving us, okay, uh, is love. It's to teach us about a new love that we naturally cannot understand. It's an agape love that takes into account no wrong. Uh, It's an agape love that allows us to live from the holiness and the righteousness of God and how he sees people uh, and how he sees things apart from our emotions. Agape love has no emotions. Agape love is an emotionless love. It's not based on how we feel, uh, what's done for us, but it's based on simple truth of scripture and the truth of God. And that's the love he's trying to teach us and how we relate to one another. But not only how we relate to one another in the church, but it's the only way that you can relate to a lost world and the people in this world. As you see the, the, the crazy things that are going on in our world, which God predicted, uh, nothing is happening in our world that God's not aware of. Matter of fact, there's nothing happening that God did not predict in his, in his scriptures. Uh, he told us how it would be in the end times. As, as, as longer he allows the earth to continue uh, to be here and us to be on this earth, uh, there's going to be a degrading passion of man. Um, men will become lovers of themselves. Um, They're going to become lovers of pleasure. Are we not a nation of a lover of pleasure? Sports and our sports figures are more important than anything else in this world. There's nothing in our world more important than sports and sports figures. Did you realize that? And we create gods in these people. And we worship these people. The young kids worship them. And they dream about being like them. And it's because the homes are devoid of the Spirit of God instead of us taking on the nature of Christ and being like Christ and understanding our purpose in this world and our purpose in this world and our goal and our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing by the Word of God. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear without a co-worker? that is a child of God, that has an agape love, that accounts no wrong, and waits for the opportunity. And see, the key is waiting on God's opportunities in our lives to share. See, those people with that zeal for God that are in the flesh and aren't children of God and are just religious and have a religious Jesus, they're the ones that are becoming very political. Dylan sent me something this week. I didn't know this even existed. But there is a now a white Christian nationalist, which is a political group that, uh, again, a lot of their stuff stands for the truths of Scripture, but they have no idea what the love of God is in sharing that truth. So they take the zeal that they have for God. And matter of fact, why do they even call it white? What's color got to... You know, did y'all know that God is colorblind? Did you know that? And we as children of God should be colorblind. The color has nothing to do with how a person acts or who a person is. It's the heart of man, okay, that determines that action. But yet, we in this world, and the fact that they are brazen enough to call themselves white Christian nationalists, separates himself out, and they're doing it from a zeal from God. They have this great zeal for God to do something for Him, to take a stand for Him. And God never told us to take a stand for Him, but He tells us to stand firm in the faith. There's a big difference in standing firm in the faith in your own life and trying to to make the world that can't even understand spiritual things the natural man doesn't understand them they can't they can not understand them and yet these people that have this zeal for God are making a spectacle out of uh, Christianity and again this is why I told you I want to not be associated with the name Christian God did not call us Christians it's not in scripture that he calls us Christians he calls us disciples I am a disciple of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And through my discipleship, I have now become a child of God. And because I am a child of God, I now have this purpose and this goal in my life um, to to, uh, share with a pure heart and a clear conscience and a sincere faith what God's done in my life. It says, for some men, strained from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussions when you discuss religion it's fruitless do you hear me when you discuss religion it is fruitless Jesus Christ has now become a religion the discussion about Jesus is fruitless But the truths, are God, are what brings forth the fruit. You see, when God's working in someone's life and they want truth, they won't argue truth. They'll come to you and ask, well, tell me about your life. Tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about the God who created all of this and therefore give you the opportunity to share See, when you share truth with someone that doesn't ask for it, you offend them. And when you offend folks, they will not ever listen to you. We're not to be offensive. The Word of God is offensive. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is convict the world, not yours. And we're not to be offensive. But what we share might be offensive, but we do it in a loving way. Understanding what we've been released from and what we've been saved from. Not dwelling on that past, but looking at that newness of life and the excitement about what's to come. Not that our life will be great on this earth, but our eternity will be heavenly. He goes on to say, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either that they were sane or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Again, going back to Camellia, he was, uh, he, was, he was very dogmatic about what he was teaching Paul. And Paul grabbed hold of that belief. See, when you have all these different denominations, it's just that somebody has become very dogmatic about the beliefs and these dominations and all these people are grabbing hold of this belief of a denomination of man instead of the truth of God. You can't have the denominations of man and the truth of God. They don't, you can't have both. (laughs) You either have the truth of God or you have man's uh, opinion about who God is. And therefore you have your denominations. But they make confident assertions about something they don't know nothing about. And they're leading people astray about these confidence. And then they go on and teach the next generation. And they go on and teach the next generation in error. God wrote this and left this for us so we could stop that. Instead we're taking the Word of God and we're changing the Word of God and we're taking and using just certain sections of it and making uh, doctrines out of it. And man doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. But we know that the law is good for if one uses it lawfully. In other words, I use the law for what it's intended to do, which is not that I obey it, but it brings me to the point in my life where I know I'm lost, that I cannot keep all the law. If you're guilty of one part of the law, you're guilty of all the law. So therefore, you're in condemnation of God. He has condemned mankind, and this is what the world needs to hear. We need to get our focus off of sin and get the focus on why we sin. When we start picking out certain sins, and we and ourselves are comfortable in our sins, and we start pointing our fingers at other people, then we have forgot the whole purpose of why God came, and that was to abolish sin. And to abolish sin, we have to abolish our nature. And if we're not crucified with Christ, we don't have that spiritual circumcision that the Bible talks about, and that spiritual baptism, then we don't have any of this. We cannot listen to man's doctrine any longer. We must get open up the word of God and begin to read the word of God and asking him to instruct us and teach us when he simply says you need no man to teach you. And yet we ignore that. Realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person. See, when we have that self-righteousness, we will never understand the law or the purpose of the law. But for those who are lawless and rebellious for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy, the profane, and for those who will kill their fathers or mothers for murderers and moral men, homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to the teaching of God. That's what the law is for so that when we read in the law of God then we apply that to ourself and we realize what we are and where we stand before a holy God understanding that we're not worthy to even uplift our heads but to bow down to the ground in humility and disgust in what we are. We're wicked from our youth there's no good in us there's no one good no not one there's no one that seeks after God and yet these truths are not being taught see religious parents believe they can bring up religious children all religion does is deceive you And you'll stand before him and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. I promise, I can promise that. If all you have is religion, that's all that you'll get. He goes on to say, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. So Paul realizes once his eyes were opened up, And his heart became teachable where God could write his words upon his heart. He now thanks him because he knew what he was. You see, if you don't understand what you were, you can never become who God wants you to be. But he put him into service. And he thanked him for putting him into service, knowing that he was going to be used by God. Wow. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer. You see, he, he's confessing. He's not denying what he was. He wasn't making excuses for what he was. He wasn't blaming Gamaliel. He wasn't blaming anybody. He said, but this is what I was. And a persecutor and a violent aggressor, but you realize as I was shown mercy, because I acted ignorantly in my unbelief. Here's the truth behind that: so many people's belief in Jesus Christ is an unbelief. Do you hear what I said? The belief you have in Jesus Christ. Make sure it's not an unbelief. As Paul says here, I act ignorantly. All men can be is ignorant. That's all we can be in our natural state is ignorant. We're ignorant to who God is. We're ignorant to his ways. We're ignorant to his methods. We're ignorant to his thoughts. We're ignorant. In our beliefs, in our flesh, are ignorant. And Paul recognizes this. When, he was, when the revelation came to him. And he realizes what he is. But standing before God. That's why he's so appreciative. And thankful for the service that God has put him in. He had a horrible life. Paul had a horrible life after he met Jesus. And this revelation came. But yet he's thanking him. He's thanking him for that. He's thanking him for the fact of where he's taken him from and where he's brought him. Do you have that appreciation? Can you even have the appreciation? Or did you just say a prayer and you raised up in a Baptist church and you got dunked and you said a prayer and the the preacher said, welcome to the kingdom of God, when the preacher had no right to do that. No one has a right to tell you welcome to the kingdom of God except God himself. That's what's sad about our denominations is we're leading people ignorantly into hell. He goes on to say, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and the love which are found in Christ Jesus. He is not only the initiator of our faith, he is the sustainer of our faith. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to be who God calls us to be. Therefore, no man can boast. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I am foremost of all. See, Paul, realizing what he was and what he did, and persecuted the very thing which now he is, he had a guilt that he had to get over. He had a guilt that he was carrying with him. And he said, I am the greatest sinner of all. Not to be proudly arrogant about that, but he really felt that because of where he came from. So that's why he later on writes to Timothy. Don't dwell on the past. Because the past will eat you up. The past will stagnate your growth. And your service that God has given you. Take what you were. Take what he's done. And turn that into the light of the gospel. For those that are around you. Instead of a self-pity party. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as a foremost Christ Jesus might demonstrate. Why? So Christ Jesus could demonstrate his perfect patience. As an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. God's patient. But God's patience can run out. And if he continues to call and you don't listen. Listen you'll eventually not be able to listen. See, we don't teach that. What we teach in religion is that come to Jesus anytime you get ready and he's there waiting for you. When scripture teaches contrary to that. That when you hear his call, don't harden your heart for today is the day of salvation. And eventually when your heart it's become so hard and and salvation may pass you by and you can't come back to that. So it's not this smorgasbord of when you're ready to take it. But it's when God calls you. Now to the King Eternal. Listen listen to this, so important. Now to the King Eternal. Who's he talking about? God. Immortal. Immortal invisible the only God be honor and glory and ever amen so that relationship that he has through Jesus Christ that revelation through Jesus Christ that sustaining of the faith through Jesus Christ that initiator of his faith through Jesus Christ leads to what the thankfulness and the worship of holy God if you came this morning just to worship Jesus and not to worship God through Jesus you've missed it. You don't, un- you don't understand this revelation that it's God who reconciles, reconciles people back to himself through his servant, Jesus Christ. And if all you have is Jesus, you're in trouble. I'm not teaching contrary to the word of God. I'm trying to teach something that's not been taught in our world for centuries. Somewhere along the way we've lost the message of God for salvation. At some point someone has to stand up as unpopular it will be and say that the religious Jesus will send you to hell. Philippians 3, 7-16. through 16. We won't get through all this, but I want to just, at least I hope, if God will allow me, we'll pick this up next week. But Paul says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So, you know, he begins to say that, you know, just to know Christ, there's nothing in this world that matters. And, To be at that place in our life where we realize that the saving uh, grace and mercy of God in our lives through his son Jesus Christ is all that matters. And let life spring forth from that. And that's what Paul was saying. It says... More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Can you imagine being at that point in your life that you could say that? To to be at the point of your life that say that everything that you were He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was educated well. Uh, He had wealth. He had fame. He was at the hierarchy of the Pharisees. And he lost it all. He lost everything that humanity could give him for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Jesus. Wait for that day that I can say that same thing, but I'm not there. And, and, and we'll we'll get to the next part of this because it's really amazing how Paul says, "I've not I've not got there yet. I've not been totally perfected yet. Uh, but but I don't look at what's behind, but I look at what's what's ahead. And, and and this is our goal is 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 to have to be able to say this that what I have." in Jesus Christ means more to me than anything else in this world and I don't care what this world takes from me because it can't take what God's given me.